Good afternoon and thank you for tuning in to Broker Talk. You know one source for the best information in real estate. We're broadcasting high above Boston in the Castles Unlimited. Space Needle, it's a beautiful autumn day here in Boston. I'm Evan filling in for Jim Lowenstern, of course, with us today, Larry Lawfer. How are you doing, Larry? Uh, we're doing excellent. Uh, we've got a great guest for us uh, with us today. Uh, we've got Jim Major, who is uh, finishing up his um, duties as the president of the Greater Boston Association of Realtors, called GBAR, those who know it. Uh, Jim has been doing an excellent job um, uh, stewarding uh, our organization through these changing times. Welcome aboard, Jim. Hi, Larry. How are you today? I'm doing great. As I just mentioned to uh, to Evan here, uh, it's a beautiful <laughs> day here in New England. Nothing like it in our in the whole country. It sure is. You know, and this view from the Space Needle is uh, just devastating. Um, so, Jim, I, I wanted to share uh, a number of things about your. Um, uh, background. You uh, studied at Johnson and Wales, which is a, a preeminent um, uh, place for chefs, right. and to learn the the restaurant business. Tell me a little bit about how that started, and then how you became a real estate agent. Sure. Well, growing up, I always had a passion for food. I loved to cook, and so I followed that passion to Johnson and Wales, uh, where I got a culinary degree, and then I studied food service management. Um, that took me to working for a company called Aramark and Aramark is a food service contracting company. And I went to work in their college food service division and I managed college food service accounts around New England. Um, my last post was at Boston university where I managed, um, the Warren towers location. I managed the kosher facility, vending a whole bunch of different, uh, aspects of it. Um, and eventually uh, the hours started to stack up and I, I really started to burn out of the business. Um, and I kind of lost my passion mostly because I wasn't cooking anymore. I was managing people. And, um, <laughs> I tell people the only time I ever touched food was at lunch. If I had time to, to get lunch. Um, and mostly it was just putting out fires and HR issues and whatnot. And, and that's when I left the business. Huh, that's uh, that's really interesting. I'm I have um, uh, a background. My grandparents owned a uh, uh, diner. Uh, I love that. I went to college, graduate school, and then art school. And in art school, I was in San Francisco and worked as a busboy all the way up to a manager of restaurants. You're absolutely right about how much time that industry takes. Not unlike real estate, but uh, we can choose not to answer our phone. Whereas if that uh, if that line cook isn't there, you're the line cook today. That's correct. Or the dishwasher. Or the dishwasher. Yep, it's absolutely. always the dishwasher. <laughs> um, but we we wanted to talk to Jim uh, today because uh, um, being a realtor is important. And I, I guess I want to start, we usually have our question uh, later in the show, but we got a really salient question that came in from a Jean Lenzer in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. She says, I'm a new agent with limited funds. That's pretty much everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> I agreed. Um, you don't really make much money until that six months. It seems to be kind of uh, the way it goes. Sure. Um, the realtor dues, says Jean, are not high, but it's expensive for me right now. 
how can I just the co- justify the cost in my head? Is it important? Gene, uh, in you know, uh, thinking back on my early days and seeing that uh, that big annual realtor dues bill, and it comes right around Christmas time, and you know, right when you don't want to get a bill like that, um, it can seem a little daunting. But you know, as I've come along in the business and as I've gone into uh, leadership, I've come to understand. Uh, the value of the realtor brand. The, so our realtor organization, where we exist to provide our members with education opportunities, resources, and advocacy um, so that you, know, you, can, you can do your business in a more professional and ethical manner. Um, so, I mean, so that said, there's a number of different uh, education opportunities that we have that we offer for free or for low cost. Uh, the advocacy work, you know, the, the work that we do at Beacon Hill, the work that we do at, on Capitol Hill for the rights of the homeowners and for the rights of our business. That all comes from the dollars that we spend uh, with our realtor dues. I've had, we've had a number of guests, Steve Bremis, uh, you sure. probably know Steve. He's an advocate for um, in Somerville and where they were going after uh, some uh, new uh, rent um, rules there. And he got great help from uh, our organization to combat uh, rent control. Yeah, and that, that is an ongoing issue in Somerville that they're battling. And, um, you know, we've got um, good legal minds that work on our behalf at both the Greater Boston Real Estate Board as well as the Massachusetts Association of Realtors uh, that, that help out in that capacity to, you know, to give advice, to give amicus briefs, things of that nature. And when needed, we draw upon the resources of the National Association of Realtors um, to help fight legislation that is anti-property ownership. So being a being a realtor, I know for me, uh, I think the uh, my dues last year uh, and includes National Association of Realtors, the Mass Association of Realtors, and my local organization. Each piece gets a piece. Yes, and it was something like five eighty. Is that uh, sound? About I think it was about five sixty five. Five sixty last, last and, year. Yeah, and and I put some extra in for the uh, the pack. The fair share for the uh, realtor political action committee. Yes. Yeah, and because that's that's important. That's how uh, we get protected. We meaning homeowners, not the real estate industry. It's the homeowners that that we're saving. That's correct. Because um, real estate has always been the uh, marker of value since the beginning of time it, who had the better cave you know <laughs> and and if you looked at a uh, 14th century painting you would always see the master of the place and over his shoulder would be the great lands and the, the feudal lands real estate has been the marker for um uh for wealth and it's been a way to build wealth for so many people right that has nothing to do with the real estate organization, <laughs> the, our trade or, uh, association. But uh, I think it is important to know in food, shelter, and clothing, we're number two on that hit parade. Right. So everybody needs us. Um, as a real estate agent, there, I, I think you just mentioned 11,000. Real we are just shy of 11,000 members, um, which, which we're quite proud of. Um, about four or five years ago, we were probably around the 7,000 member mark, and we did have a, a merger with another local, uh, the Eastern Middlesex Association, four years ago, and we've had some organic growth since then. And, and so that does not include people who are just sales agents. 
And, and just to clarify for our listeners, we're talking about 11,000 in the greater Boston That's 11, area. yeah, 11,000 members. Those are the sales agents, those are the brokers, those are the affiliates. Um, so, uh, and th- that, that consists of Boston and the 63 cities and towns that surround the city of Boston. So I think what I, what I was asking is that people who have not paid the dues, they are not counted in that. And there are lots of people who have not paid dues. That, that's correct. In, in, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, it's estimated that there's about 75,000 people that hold a real estate license wow. and 25,000 of those are realtor members. Yeah, a lot of those people aren't making a living, but, you know, it's hard to swing a cat, you know, in this area without hitting somebody who's a real estate. It, it's true. I mean, the, the level, the entry level to get a real estate license in, in our state is pretty low. It, I, I have a license in Texas as well, and I think it was 220 hours of training to get the license. Opposed to our 40. Opposed to our 40. So the point is that you can hire, you as a consumer can go out there and hire anyone you want. That's correct. Uh, people always say that uh, the last agent, they, you know, especially if things go wrong. Well, they seem so nice. I just want to remember that um, uh, almost all agents have the ability to talk to people sure. and may seem nice. <laughs> um, that doesn't make you a great agent. It's, it's other things that make you a great agent. For instance, training and uh, ability to be around people. That's the one reason why I not only joined the organization, but I went in and, and uh, joined um, uh, committees. And specifically what I did was I didn't want to get caught doing something stupid because as my teenage son told me one time, sometimes you don't know it's stupid, Dad, till you do it. Yep. Um, so I joined the grievance committee no, way, way, way back. And um, because I wanted to know the people who were doing things wrong, what were they doing? So I didn't do it. Um, where you you have a passion for professional standards? Well, um, I, I have served in professional standards uh, pretty much all the time that I've served in leadership. But believe it or not, my true passion, um, as far as committee work goes, lends to the forms committee. And that does not sound sexy at all, but uh, both the Massachusetts Association of Realtors and the Greater Boston Real Estate Board maintain a forms library. The forms that we use to write contracts, um, certain disclosures, addendums, things of that nature, those need to be looked at and monitored and added to um, from time to time. Currently, I serve as the chairperson of the Massachusetts Association of Realtors Forms Advisory Committee. Well, those forms are very important. It's called promulgated forms because we've all agreed to to that form. Yes. Um, both MAR and GBAR uh, have separate forms. They're slightly different. Right. Um, there's some confusion on uh, with with people on them. Um, I'll, I'll bring up too the um, seller's disclosure. Yes. Uh, some people say the seller has to fill it out. Some people say don't fill it out. It opens the seller up to liability. Uh, so it, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we are semi-disclosure state. The only thing that a homeowner has to disclose is their knowledge of the presence of lead paint. That's it. We do have an optional disclosure form for the seller to fill out. Now, uh, if you were to ask our um, 
legal counsel, Bill Mullen, he would tell you that any attorney would say not to fill it out um, just because they don't want to open themselves for liability. But as, as agents, we encourage um, the sellers to fill out those forms, let people know what they know about the property so that we can treat you know everybody fairly in the transaction. Um, the, um, the, the seller's disclosure form from the Masters Association of Realtors is a bit different than the one that, that, Greb, that Greb has. Yeah, there's, it's, it's four pages. It's everything. Right. You know, anything that happened in the house um, that you worked on. You know, it's a way for the seller to talk to the buyer without them meeting face-to-face, quite honestly. And I think the more information you have on your listings, it, it boggles my mind that, that agents will go on and put into MLS um, the, the description of the house, and then they won't have the size of the rooms. They do not realize that, that the millennial people, they know the size of their rooms and the size of their furniture. They want a wall that fits their big flat screen. They want a place to put their, their sofa. You know, does their big bed fit in that little bedroom? Frankly, if you're representing a property, that's a pretty easy thing to find out, the size of the rooms that you're representing. Um, I I know that when I've worked in new construction, sometimes um, those measurements can get a little dicey as far as how rooms are measured. Are they measured from the outside walls in or from the inside walls? But... um, but it, it doesn't take much to use a tape measure and measure wall to wall to, to, you know, to show exactly what, what you have. And, and specifically with, uh, um, with our MLS system, you're never giving exact measurements because it's 11 feet. It's not 11 feet 3 inches. Right. And at 11 feet even 5 inches, at 11 feet 7 inches, you can't say it's 12 feet. You have to say it's 11 feet. Right. And so they're always approximations. And sometimes rooms are odd shaped. You know, they're, they're not always square or rectangular. Right, right. Uh, so you're giving an approximation yes. uh, of it anyway, but there should be some numbers in there. Um, I, I 100% agree. What would you say as the chairman of the forms committee have been some of the things that, that have perplexed you form makers uh, for us? You've, I'm sure, had lots of feedback. Um, well, not, not so much perplexed, but, you know, as, as times change, we have to change with them. Um, for instance, um, marijuana became legal in the Commonwealth not too long ago. And um, so we created a new form for landlords to add on to leases um, to prohibit the use and the cultivation of marijuana. Um, except in the case where it's used for medical purposes, but they can still uh, restrict the smoking of it. Um, when the market got really hot, we started to see escalation clauses, and agents were writing their own escalation clauses. Yikes! Uh, exactly. I mean, look at the. I mean, we're not we're not attorneys, and we should not be acting as attorneys. So we developed one for the use of for our agents to use, and we had a team of four attorneys that were able to review. Um, all the terms, um, and we put an explanation piece with that form uh, so that the agents are able to use it properly. Now, that being said, um, an agent's brokerage may or may not allow that to be used, so you would want to check with your your broker and what that practice is. Yeah, 
it's always NAR laws at the top, NAR laws at the top, MAR. You know, an, an, another thing that we added just this year um, is audio and video surveillance onto our listing contracts. Good point. Um, I've been asking for about three years to get to have some kind of a mention of this in our listing contract so that we can enter into a conversation with our seller clients about these devices like the Amazon Electra or the nanny cams or whatnot, which are so easy to put in a home and people are using them to perhaps monitor and, and record um, uh, people talking and, and, and whatnot. Um, it, it, it's important for our members to let their clients know that that is illegal unless um, notice and consent is given from from both parties. So let's let's break that down a little bit because sure. it's not all illegal. What's illegal is the taping, the taping of, the of the voice. That's correct. And and you as a homeowner can put a camera in your house and you can watch. You just can't tape. That is correct. Yeah, you can't. You cannot record the the record or transmit the audio. Yeah, I, I had a, a situation a number of years ago where my client had. Um, I think it was set up through his iPhone or something. But I was in the open house and doing what I do, you know, at open houses. And um, a uh, prospect came in, asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. So I always said, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll ask the seller and and I'll get back to you. And over the um, his system came the answer. He answered, so he was sitting there listening and watching, and I said, oh, my God, are you, I, I should probably not have eaten that pudding pop, right? <laughs> also, it's a little creepy. It's very, very creepy. You didn't know you were being watched when you were, in fact, being watched. Well, I always assume I'm being watched. Um, I didn't know I was being listened to as well. Um, so I, I don't know. Um you have to tell as an agent, as a listing agent, you have to ask the question, are you uh, taping this? Or do you have a system? And you have to make sure that it is not being taped. And, and again, that's why we wanted to have that language in our listing contracts in both the uh, Greb library and the MAR library have those now um, so that you can start that conversation with the sellers to make sure you're checking that box because we do feel it's that important. It is that important. I mean, you, any of these liabilities, they're scary. You don't want to lose, lose your license over craziness like that. Exactly. So now we're in Halloween week right now. So <laughs> should we talk about stigmatized homes for what? a moment? Let's do, let's do that. <laughs> so you've got a ghost. You've got a goblin in your, in your property. Do you tell? You're not required to, um, unless you're asked. Unless you're asked. And, that, and you have knowledge that there is a, you know, a, a ghost in the house. A spirit or a whatever spirit it or is. whatever it is. Yeah, a spirit in the skies. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, if the seller tells you that it is, and the buyers ask, you should tell them what the seller told you. Right, because what's going to happen is that that property will close, the next door neighbor will come right over and said, "Have you met the ghost yet?" <laughs> or, or, or worse, a you know another type of stigmatized property is a property where a murder occurred or a suicide occurred, right. and that is something that if we have active knowledge of it, we need to disclose that. Exactly. That being said, if somebody had died in the house, 
that's not something that we need to disclose. No. If we're asked if somebody died, we can say yes, but we cannot say how they died. Um, reasons, it's not a heart attack. It's not AIDS. It's not... Exactly, exactly. Um, but if it is murder or suicide, yes, and then we would have to disclose that. Yeah, there are people who would not want to live in a house like that, and there are people who would maybe want that house. Well, I, I will tell you, if you're marketing a property in Salem, Massachusetts, and you have a spirit in that house, ka-ching. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but there's there's one place. You know? <laughs> but it's in the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, God bless us here. Um, <laughs> that, that, all of that is in, uh, interesting in the sense that there are so many rules and regulations that you have to know that you don't know unless you're out there talking to agents, and that's another aspect of what the uh, association is. We have so many org- meetings that we can go to. The This year's road shows, I think they started last year. Talk for a moment about them. So let me... Uh, I think we're referring to the real tours that yes. we're doing. It's kind of a play on the word, word okay. realtor, yeah. but um, our real tours. In fact, we just finished up our last realtor of the year uh, today. This is where um, we travel to the five geographic regions. That's thus the term tour to do membership meetings. Um, and we do, we did this three times this year. So 15 meetings and, and um, at each at each real tour, uh, we do the same information five times. Um, so, th- what we talked about, what we talked about at this go round, you know, we always do kind of a member benefits update, and we talk about upcoming events. Um, today, we had a little pitch for our pack, and you know, we're looking for agents to invest in that. And then we had Bill Mullen come in; he's our chief legal counsel at GBAR, to talk about. He talked about stigmatized homes. He talked about. Um, um, he, he talked about people letting consumers into homes without, without the agent. So what I'm saying is agents are giving lockbox combos to consumers and think that it's okay for them to do so. Um, we talked about a number, we talked about agency and buyer agency and just had good conversations. And, and at each of the five different stops, the, the conversations were slightly different. Um, and, and, but the people were engaged and the questions were being asked. And whenever we'd bring up legal topics, it's always like that. I, I want to hit on that a little bit harder. As an agent, you cannot give that lockbox code to any consumer to let them in that house by themselves. Absolutely not. You are liable for what happens in that house. If a diamond ring turns up missing or prescription drugs turn up missing, you are going to be responsible for that. And you are going to get a new title and it's going to be called defendant. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, uh, funny experience. Um, uh, with this number of years ago. I was in a house. The guy told me he was a bookie. He was a really interesting guy. I had a uh, stager I was working with, and over his uh, uh, kitchen, he had these great big beautiful copper pots that were decorative, but they were real pots. So my stager was, was standing on the the deck of, of the sink, and... L- uh, was turning around trying to look over at the top of something else to talk about things that had to be moved. While she did that, she put up her hand and she touched the, the, uh, one of the copper pots. Out of that copper pot fell about $10,000 worth of cash. Oh, oh, boy. Right into the sink. I had never seen 
that stager who I've worked with a number of times, Deb Ellis, uh, she's fantastic. She got out of that. Her legs couldn't move fast <laughs> enough. She was oh. gone. So she was out <laughs> in, a, in a moment. And I turned to my client and I said, do you have other cash hidden here? And he said, what does it matter? You're not going to take it. I said, I am not. But if it's here and it's gone, who are you going to come after? And he said, oh, I see your point. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, and you know what? It's, it's good to have those conversations with our sellers. Let's keep the honest people honest and not provide the opportunity uh, for people to take prescription drugs from a home or, va- or small, easy-to-pocket valuables or that kind of thing. So that's always a good point. Another thing on safety. Um, don't do your open houses alone, especially if you're a woman. Don't go to houses by yourself at night with somebody you don't know alone. That's just crazy talk. I 100% agree. And um, we can avoid that. You don't necessarily need to have a gun, but you need to be protected. And you need to have your wits about you and yes. know what to expect and know how not to get backed into a corner. All these types of things. And, and the National Association of Realtors has some very good training videos and, and written material uh, that focuses just on that subject, on realtor safety. And, um, and as an agent, you should be availing yourself of these resources. Um, Just want to take a quick second to let us know that our sponsorship is provided by CastlesUnlimited.com, proudly independent since 1985. Castles Unlimited, providing the best real estate offers. The best. <laughs> only I, the best. Only the best. I, I love real estate. I, I, in fact, it brings up the word puffery. You know, yes. bu- puffery is the legal term for the way real estate agents um expound on the benefits and values of a house of themselves or something. It's really legal lying is what it is. Sure. We're, we're the only uh, industry that's allowed to legally make things bigger, make things better. But only so far. Otherwise, it becomes an unethical practice and violates our code. Right. right. So our sponsorship usually brings up the change in the show. Then we move on to the news. Okay. And the news, um, uh, we're seeing the uh, this... Uh, court case going on in California between employee and independent contractors. Hmm. So I just want to say one thing. Uh, All real estate agents are independent contractors unless their agency is directing them in some very specific way. For instance, you have meetings that you have to go to. You have Uptime, I know uptime doesn't exist much anymore, right. but there used to be a point when you had to come in the office and you had to answer phones. We called it floor time as well. Floor yes. time, yeah. Yep. Those things make you uh, uh, an employee because you're being directed sure. by the employer. But if in that case, uh, then it's a whole different thing and, and your agency is uh, at fault sure. for here. But we're independent contractors. We are, and it's funny. Massachusetts um, just you know passed a new law last year, their, their Family Medical Leave Act, and it was a new tax on employees and employees' wages, and they wanted to roll real estate agents into that. MAR and GBAR and Greb um, went to bat for us, and we we're able to get that provision dropped so that our people are not treated as employees, but as independent contractors and not subject to that new tax. So what that says to me, Jim, is that we just made for our agents who become realtors that money back. 
value that you would not realize otherwise. It's, it's, um, there are so many benefits to being a member of this organization. Some people will get it. Some people will think about it just as money. But if you think about this as a career, it's not about the money. You're going to make far more money being around good, smart people and getting information when you need it. Um, is there anything else you can share? Um, you know, it, it, you, you talk about that money that, um, that we spend for dues. It's a cost of doing business. And, and the amount of money that you need to get into the real estate business is pretty low compared to most other businesses. Oh, my gosh, yes. And the almost $600 that we spend in realtor dues every year is, is relative pittance to, to, other types of, uh, to other types of industries. This was my third career. In my first two careers, I had bricks and mortar. I had employees. Uh, that $500 or $600 is nothing compared to, even the cap fee is nothing compared to, to what it is to own your own business, you know, whatever your business is. Right. So um, get in there, learn something, experience things, talk to people. You have a question, there's always somebody. Call in here, you know, let us know. Send us a question. We want to hear your questions. I did actually have a, a quick question for Jim, and, and we talk a lot in the Boston area about affordability. That's certainly a, a big concern for a lot of people in Boston area. But are there other specific uh, issues that GBAR is focusing on right now or, or issues that, that you're concerned about or are going to be working towards improving in the, in the Boston area? One of the one of the big challenges that is springing up is uh, transfer taxes. Okay. Um, there's a number of communities that are looking at, uh, at transfer taxes as a way to raise revenue um, to get money for affordable housing. Okay. Uh, a transfer tax is a tax that's put on the transaction that's either paid by the buyer, the seller, or or both. Say as a percentage in New mm -hmm. Hampshire, you, I believe it's a half a percent on each buyer and seller of the transaction that we do not have in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, we feel that, you know, it's, it's, it's an unfair tax. It's, it's an entry or an exit tax. It's paid by such a, a small segment of society where um, the whole community should be funding affordable housing. And there's, there's, there's other methods out there to help um, afford, you know, uh, get money for affordable housing. Sure. But perhaps the rentals said, you know, as well. I mean, if we just have homeowners paying taxes, what about all those other people that aren't homeowners? That's right. Yep. So um, uh, this is Broker Talk. Would you like to take us out? As always, thank you to Jim. Thank you to Larry. Thanks to all our listeners. Be sure to check out BrokerTalk.com. That's Broker-Talk.com. As always, providing the best information, news, and yes. <laughs> and of course, telling it like it is. Until next time, take care. We'll see you then. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. A lot of fun. <laughs>